what had happened with us. <laughs> Yo, you blew up. Oh, my God. I had no clue all of this was going to come out of that. It's been like, whoa. I was in what I'm going to call a crisis mode. Our upbringing said what happens in the house stays in the house. My father was incarcerated for 18 years. That was something we never talked about. We're coming into the place to understand that talking, counseling, journaling is not demonic. Mm. It produces healing. Yes. But, you know, it was a challenging season, but I'm grateful for that. It helps me to appreciate where I am now. And there's a humility that I can still walk in because I know the story that everybody don't know. Can I talk with you? Please. Now, marriage ain't just sex. Please understand and know that, okay? <laughs> marriage is intentional work. Sometimes you can do something that you want to do, but you know it may not be what God wants you to do. Ding. Guilty. Yeah. The call of God has been on my life all of my life. Yeah. It's while I'm going through separation that the Lord says, okay, now you're going to start the church. <laughs> gee, gee, this is what we're doing. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. God, time out. What up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the RXS podcast. And we have the amazing... The multi-talented preacher. <laughs> <laughs> we got Latoya Brewington in the building. What's hey. up? How you doing? I am doing amazing. Yes. It's so good to see you. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Minute, but I'm glad to be back in the place. <laughs> what you been up to? What haven't I been up to is yeah. the question. It's been, um, I've been in somewhat of a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, we've been uh, traveling, of course, doing uh, preaching ministry more. Yeah. Um, have a project that I'm working on getting released, um, merch that we're working on. Of course, we got the church yeah. and everything that the church is doing. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's been busy on top of that, just with family. Yeah. I'm watching my kids grow up. Got yeah. a grandbaby that's growing up. Like yeah. it's, it's been, it's been a lot, but it's been amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing time. I'm literally what I call my E320 season. Yeah. Explain what that means. He, that E320. Um, Ephesians 320. Okay. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's working in us. And so I believe the season that I'm in, I am literally walking out exceeding abundantly above. And so a lot of people, they hear me. I've been talking about this being in your E320 season. And that's actually what E320 is. It's not something I came up with off the top of my head. It's the book. Yeah, but you still you still did it. That's <laughs> that e, a, such a cool e320. way to do it. That's oh, yeah. fire, yeah. Oh, yeah, that E320. So speaking of that, I want to talk about the viral moment that you had. <laughs> so, like, you done blew up. <laughs> yeah, you blew up. Oh, my God. How did that happen, first of all? <sighs> okay, so first of all, that's been a, a little much for me. Yeah. Okay, let me just be honest. I'm going to tell you how it happened, but I got to be honest because... I, I have social media accounts, but I'm not that one who is just, oh, God, I got to get the social media. That type. Yeah. I'm a little more reserved and laid back. That's just my nature and yeah. all things, right? So um, so that's been a bit overwhelming. So what had happened with us, <laughs> I had the privilege um, to speak this year for the International Bible Way Convocation. Yeah. That's a whole story in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but it was a promise fulfilled for me the word of the lord that had been over 20 years spoken over my life that literally was yeah. a god moment for me and so um you know there 
try to operate within protocols, asking, hey, I want to make sure what my timing is because, you know, I don't want to go in and exhaust my time or so forth. So on bottom line, case in point, um, I was given the green light just to flow as I minister. And um, moving in the leading of the Lord after prayer, uh, so forth, so on, I did what I tend to do. Yeah. I started singing E320. Yeah. Which granted, I think the first time I'd really did that exceeding abundantly was probably in March uh-huh. of 22. Okay. Did it in December at a convocation. But I believe this time was just God's timing for that. And so we started singing it. Afterwards, I had no clue all of this was going to come out of that. Yeah. When I tell you, like, I was like, my phone was blowing up. Everybody's calling people, calling my mama. Um, Just my phone. You're here. You're there. I'm like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) y'all. So did you even know what they were talking about? Slow down, (laughs) y'all. I had no clue that the clip had been shared. And, of course, I'm privileged. One of the... um. Young ladies who's a part of Bowboy's media team, I had no clue, is actually a journalist. Interesting. And so she shared the initial clip that was put out, which granted, I had um, told Kashonda um, that I was probably just going to do that for our Monday encouragement. Okay. It was already out. <laughs> Before you Before could get it we out. Put it out. And I, you know, and it's fine. So just in the response to it, I was like, oh. And so Kashanda's calling. Um, KJ, the musician, their pastor, pastor, pastor. I knew it. I'm going to tell you when I knew it was really major. My son called me one night about 10, 1030. Uh-huh. He says, Mom, what is going on? I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, you're all over TikTok. You're all over TikTok. Mom, you're going viral. What is going on? And I said to him, hey, um, well, I just sung the song that I've been singing. And I'm like, we ain't even had a chance to put the single out. And he's like, no, Mom, you need to put it out now. You need to do this. You need to do that. He was like, no, Mom, really, you're all over TikTok. And what's funny is that that particular post, when we put it out that Monday, Mm -hmm. that was my first TikTok post. Really? Because I had, again, I'm, you know, I know social media has its place. Yes. And so um, I went to Israel in June. Mm-hmm. And before I left, I had a conversation with one of the young ladies on our media team. Yeah. So I'm talking to Brooks and, you know, they had been on me because I've been saying, I'm going to do my TikTok. I'm going to do it. I hadn't done it yet. Yeah. So I said to her on my way to the airport, well, the day before I said to her, Brooks, before I leave, I'm going to set up my TikTok account. So yeah. I was waiting in the airport in D.C., I set up the account, but wow. hadn't posted anything. I did pictures and everything while I was in Israel. I hadn't posted nothing wow. to my TikTok. The first video we put on TikTok was that one. Was that one, and it was just crazy. Yeah, and it was and it was even amazing with doing that because the initial video that got posted was just it was everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, and so that's been like. Ooh, yeah, that's been a lot. Cause yeah. you know my personality, I'm just so laid back, chill. Yes. I can be on the room, you yes. won't know I'm in there. So did it? Ooh. Has it gotten to a point where you're like, all right, y'all, this is too much? I, I think I'm adjusting. Initially, um, that probably that first week that everything was jumping. Mm-hmm. One night, I lie not, I went to bed and my head was hurting mm. because it was that much coming at me that fast. Mm-hmm. I woke up the next day with a headache. Wow. And that particular day, it was funny because my cousin, um, Essence, had texted me and she's like, um, 
I know you're not really overly into this, all this social media stuff. It can be a lot. I just needed to check on you. Are you okay? Yeah. And I said to her, it's a lot. I went to bed with a headache. I got up yeah. with a headache because, and I've seen things happen before. Mm-hmm. We've had things go viral before. Never anything like yeah, this. Yeah, but that's the E320 though. That, but that, and that, and literally <laughs> I said, and it was so funny. When I started seeing different people responding, um, I remember Judah Band, because, you know, even with doing more than I ever expected, yeah. which, of course, that is his. Yes. We had um, cleared and gotten permissions and everything to do, because um, we have that on the live prayer CD that we yeah. did. So we had permissions for stuff. So even when the clips were out and people were sharing, and I started seeing even his comments on it, and that was my response to him. This is really more than I expected. And it is. This is indeed E320. And so I said to Kashanda and KJ, I've been talking about this E320, and I'm literally You're living in, it. in E320 right now. This is, and just seeing the response, Kev on stage, some of the other pastors, other artists who've been responding and following, it's been like, yeah. Whoa, God. And, yeah. And for me, it's funny because I'm only doing what I absolutely love to do. I love the word, so I, why not sing what you and, love? And the crazy thing is, you've been doing this. I've been doing and it. And I think that's where people get it twisted. Mm-hmm. It's like, do what you've been called to do, and when it's time, it'll be time. It'll jump. And <sighs> and that's been amazing. I oftentimes, even with within ministry, and I'm I'm being more exposed in this season, I recognize that, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that thus follow the faithfulness and consistency that I've attempted to exemplify over these last few years. And so that's one of the things that I often laugh about um, with some of those who are closer to me, family and and team and whatnot, is that some people, they're just meeting me. But if they were to go back and talk to some of my brothers, they will find out, oh, this is not something she's doing because she's being exposed. This is what I've been doing as long as I, this is how I've been doing it. (laughs) Exactly. This is who I am. And so it was just funny. I'm just being myself, doing what I love to do. I love the book. They laugh like we can't have a conversation with you without you talking about the Bible. (laughs) Well, listen, what's in you comes out, right, so to speak. This is my passion. I love what I do. And I'm honored that I have the privilege to carry God. And I want to carry him well. Right? Yes. And so in that, I just, I, it's just my passion. Yeah. And so it's just amazing to me that in doing what I love to do, in coming out, a preaching moment, a moment of ministry, and just doing what I do. And it just, yeah, it went crazy. That is amazing. From your perspective, why do you think parents say, because I said so? I feel like it could either mean that they know that what they're saying isn't right, so they just say that. If they're telling you to do something, and they say, because I said so, why would they tell you to do something wrong? All I know is sometimes parents don't know like how to like deal with situations other than how they were treated when they were kids. And it can be where their parents told them because they said so. And it's like, oh, that's all I know, so I'm going to just treat my kid like this. Hi, this is Nay, and that was Nay's Place. If you want to catch more, search Nay's Place on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
and RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. All right, so now let's go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in Wilson. Wide awake. North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. I laugh because I used to hear people, and I'm going to shut up to you. <laughs> but I laugh because oftentimes in trying people, where's Wilson? Where's Wilson? <laughs> Nobody knows where Wilson is. <laughs> That's a fact. So I just tell them, oh, I'm 30 minutes outside of Raleigh. Yeah. But I was born in Wilson proudly. Yes. Wilson, North Carolina. Yes. What was I'm it like growing up? Um, It was it was good for us. Now, granted, I tell people I've been in church all my life. I was born in church. My family, um, of course, serving. Um, so my childhood was a bit more structured. And at the age that I am now and really looking back over it, I even understand why my experience coming up was so structured. Um, I believe it was to protect the anointing and the call on my life. Um, as I've gotten older, I often, um, I've heard my mom talk about, her and my aunt talk about how when she was pregnant with me, they were in a service. And R.W. Shambach was the preacher, one of the premier preachers during that time. Mm -hmm. And I've heard her talk about how they went into the service and my aunt testifies that he would lay hands on you, that anything in you was coming out because you would get tagged that hard. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she talks about how they went to Durham. They were in a service. My mom was pregnant. It, it won't show her anything of that sort. My aunt says he was taking people out left and right, left and right in the service. He gets to my mom. He stops and prophesies over me. Wow. She's not showing him, you know, yeah. she don't know him. And he told her, the child that you're carrying is going to be anointed. She's going to preach. She's going to sing. Gave her the whole rundown. And it it's amazing to me even as I think about it sometimes because this is a man who in his day was advocating for women in ministry. Oh, yeah. That's good. He was an advocate for women in ministry. Yeah. He prophesied over my life. And so... Having that understanding, which I did not have that coming up through my childhood, my teenage years. Yes. I remember hearing my mom. She introduced me. I can't even remember where we were in a service. And that's what she told. And I'm sitting in the chair like, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> How wow. old were you at the time? I, did, um, I was well in my 20s. Okay. To find that out. And so looking back, thinking about my childhood and my upbringing, I understand now why it was what it was for me, I really believe it was not just, of course, family's understanding. Um, you have to protect your children. You can't go in every and any environment, so forth, so on. It was bigger than that. That was important. But as well, we got to protect who she is and who she is to become. And so I appreciate now more than ever um, my limitations mm. as I was coming up. Um I'm, I came up really like a homebody, and, yeah. I'm, and that's still probably why I'm so chill now. Yeah, I go because it's 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 my assignment. Yeah, but when sis can be in the house, <laughs> oh she home, she home chilling, and yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. So I um I understand. So childhood was good though. My family, and you know my family. Yes, very well. So <laughs> my family, we're like family and friends. Okay, yes. we're our own comedy club. <laughs> yes. We're our own worst critics. Like if people don't know know us, yeah, and they come into those environments, they'll be like, "Y'all are hard on each other. Why y'all?" No, 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 because we are family yeah. and friends. Yes. 
and that is beautiful to yes, me. Yes, it is. Like, I am so appreciative for my upbringing. Yeah. Um, we have a very tight center, but we also um, extend that yes. to others. So whenever others come around us, you're going to feel like you family too. God, that's so true, man. Yeah, you know about it. You <laughs> yes. Been to grandma's house on Sundays <laughs> and my mom's. Like, that's what we do. Yes. And so I'm grateful yeah. for, my, for my upbringing for that. I, yeah. Yeah, so... At what age did you start to understand the benefits of how you were raised? E, my early 20s. Okay. And what was going on at the time? Well, by then, um, early 20s, I was in what I'm going to call a crisis mode. Mm. Um, being that I'm having to adjust, for one, to growing up, mm-hmm. becoming a young adult who has the opportunity now to somewhat be on my own. Okay, because when I went to college, um, my freshman year NC State, that was the first time I had ever been away from home in in terms of being able to call my own shots. Yeah, I had been I'd been away from Wilson before. I spent time. um, I lived with one of my aunts, my aunt Linda and her husband Lester in Jersey for a while. I was in middle school. Okay, so I'd been away from my family, but in terms of calling my own shots, yeah, my freshman year of college was the first time. And sis won't used to that. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. And I, I didn't. And I'm not knocking anybody. I ain't trying to get no brownie points. I'm just talking real. Yeah. I still didn't do a lot of clubbing and stuff like that. But I went through a very stupid stage. Okay. Let okay. me just tell the truth. <laughs> okay. I spent time. I would go to. And it, it was because I wasn't used to that. Yes. Because I'd always been so. My life had been so structured and sheltered. Let me yes. just call it what it was. Yes. That that can be an, a, a big adjustment to make. Even where, like, school was concerned, I, I would be late getting to class if yeah. I went. And part of that is because high school and stuff, it was like a breeze. Yo, we come on through that. But college, like, no, you're going to have to study, ma'am. You got to come to class. <laughs> Your te- they, They're not doing any of this extra stuff. It was a big adjustment for me. Yeah. And so coming probably through 18 through maybe 22, that was critical for me. Because yeah. I was having to adjust to so much and during that time, so many things that I'd experienced coming up in terms of hurt, disappointments and things started surfacing. Mm. Because a lot of times the behaviors that persons begin to exhibit um, sometimes are the indication that something deep is going on internally. And so there were things from childhood that we really hadn't talked about, really hadn't addressed. And of course, and you probably know it like I do. There was a certain space of time. There were certain things our culture was, and, and y'all's was too, especially if you look like us, praise the Lord. <laughs> our, right. our upbringing said what happens in the house stays in the house. And it didn't have to be anything um, molested, things of that sort, like that type. But whatever happened there, it stayed there, which that has a deep root, but I won't get into it, praise the Lord. Mm. But growing up like that, it teaches you don't talk don't about talk. your feelings. Don't mm. say nothing. Just keep it and leave it alone. Well, after my freshman year, my behavior started to indicate, wait a minute, something internal is going on. And so as I had to grow and begin to address those hurts and disappointments and things, um, we grew up, my father was incarcerated for 18 years. That was something we never talked about. Right. I was in fourth grade, I believe fourth grade um, when my father um, was initially arrested. And mm. so you figure I grew up the rest of my childhood 
My dad wasn't like those type of things. We didn't talk about it. And so there were a lot of things between that 18, Mm -hmm. 22 year gap that started surfacing that I then had to deal with. Mm. And so as I worked through all of those things um, and then getting on the other side of it, and then watching others and how they had kind of managed some of the same yeah, things or, yeah. or managed whatever their crisis was, it made me appreciate still my upbringing, even though we didn't necessarily know how to deal with things. And that's not anything against our family. That's just what the culture was. Yeah, that's just that's the real. age. Yeah. It's, it's just what it is. And we're still tearing that barrier down, especially within our culture. Yeah, right? that's real. We're coming into the place to understand that talking, counseling, journaling is not demonic. Mm. It produces healing. Yes. Never mind. Calm down. <laughs> I felt I felt that jump up in me. Let me sit myself back down. But no, it's real because um, especially um, being black people, one, growing up in church, mm-hmm. we <laughs> just pray. You just pray or cast the devil out. But what happens when it's really not a devil? It's it's disappointment. Yes. Come on. What what happens when what I need to be delivered from is the hurt and disappointment of 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 something shifting in my life that I really didn't understand. Yes. What fourth grader really understands yes. what's getting ready to transpire and then not just that one particular thing but everything that follows it. Mm-hmm. the struggles that follow it coming mm-hmm. up in a single parent household mm-hmm. like all of those things what you have to manage all of that mm-hmm. and that's a lot but on the back side of it once healing and dealing with things I really still valued how I came up yeah. because there are some people who go through things of that sort and drugs become their outlet promiscuity becomes their outlet Alcohol becomes their outlet. So many other things that it can drive them into. So I thank God because even though I went through my stupid season, and that's what I call it. Y'all, please yeah. don't take me personally. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about me. Okay? <laughs> Praise my lamb. I was. I did some stupid stuff. Yeah. I'm going to just call it what it is. Um, but I thank God because had I not had the foundation mm-hmm. laid in me through my childhood, mm-hmm. I don't know what it could have been. Wow. I don't know what it could have been. So I want to ask you something. Did did those things affect your relationships? Like with friends and like with a boyfriend? Um, in terms of some of the things that came up with a lot of our friends, no. Um, I think <laughs> thinking back over it is actually funny because a lot of our friends coming up, um, for one, they used to laugh because they'd be like, oh, y'all got the same daddy. <laughs> that was the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it take, yeah. My mom, that used to trip us out because, again, we had friends from various backgrounds. Yes. So that was the first thing that would blow people away yeah. is that my siblings and I, all of us had the same <laughs> daddy. That yes. was the first thing. Um, then... Interestingly, and again, I really believe this is because of the dynamic of my family. We had friends who had mom and dads in the house who had more than we had. And they still. But they gravitated. Everybody wanted to be at our house. They would come sleep on the couch, sleep on the floor, wherever. All some Like, it got to the point that some of our friends, my mama gave them keys. Wow. She would give them keys because in the morning they can get in. And their family, like, why do y'all want to go over there and sleep on the floor? You got your own room. At your house, and you'll go over there and see. Because with everything that we experienced, 
with the difference that we had in part of our upbringing. Um, one thing, and I'm I'm going to say this to salute my mother yes. because, and I just mean it. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but there were not men in and out of our house. Yes. So that was even. It does not just speak to who she was as a woman. But it also speaks to her intent to keep us protected. Because a lot of times children, in, in some cases, there are violations that begin to take place with the children because they're being exposed to different persons and personalities coming in and out of places where there are quote-unquote voids. Mm. We were never exposed Never. So I salute my mother, Brenda Brewington, a.k.a. Chubby. Chubby. Praise the Lord. We give it to her today. Yes. So we had that. And with even though my father for those years was not there, um, we we didn't feel, though, like anything was lacking because we still had our grandfathers. We, We my grandfather, we still had uncles, that family unit. And so when others would come, that it didn't feel like anything um, chaotic or um hateful in the space you still felt love yeah and and you were gonna have a good time because we just gonna cut up that's just what we're gonna do we're gonna laugh we our cable could be off can i just talk real to (laughs) y'all our cable could be off but we would we got smart we came up in vhs age where you would record multiple episodes of martin and different world and and the bet videos that would come on (laughs) you would put that on videotape so if your cable ever went out yeah, the huh? backup plan. You put that VHS in there and you play it and, and everybody thought you was watching live TV and you sitting there laughing and they don't realize till maybe a month later, oh, oh, that was a video. Yeah, our cable was off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you figure though, in this age, there are people who probably, oh no, I can't because we don't have this. We don't. It didn't matter to us. Okay, okay we're going to sit here, we're going to play this Nintendo yeah. and we're just going to loop this game or we're going to loop this video and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And that's what we did. I I really believe, even with the things that we experienced coming up, I believe it just made us appreciative for relationships, for family and friends. You know, everything was not based on possession because coming up for us, there was not excess in terms of possession. We were always good. Our needs were met. But there was no excess, mm. right? As we can see today, that we have stuff that we'll never wear, you know, Jesus. give stuff away that still got tags on it. Thanks. Right? Yes. Um, I, and I understand why we want to do certain things for our kids because we don't want them. I don't want them to come up like I did where I didn't have. But I believe there is a different level of appreciation that we had for what we had because we understood the limitation. Sheesh. Of what we had. So, yes. you know, I didn't take clothes off and throw them on the floor and walk over them. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep my shoes clean. To this day, I still put Letitia down in my Come shoes. On. <laughs> keep them clean. Yeah. You know, keep stuff in order. Praise yeah. God, I got to take care of my stuff. Yes. But, you know, it was a challenging season, but I'm grateful for that. Yeah. It makes me, it helps me to appreciate where I am now. And there's a humility that I can still walk in because I know the story that everybody don't know. Yeah. That's I know, good. I know the backdrop, so I'm just appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. So take me into um, becoming a wife. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Praise my lamb. And motherhood. like Yeah. Yeah, like you can talk about all that together. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, 
I was when I got married, I was really excited. Okay. And how old were married. you? I got married at 24, 25. Okay. Tw- no, yeah, 24, 25. Um, Layla was getting ready to turn three. Mm-hmm. 24, 25. <laughs> and um, I was excited about getting married, but I wasn't excited about getting married. And I'm gonna tell you what I mean by that. I'm type, I love marriage. Like, I love marriage. And I tell people and anybody who wants to be married. Please listen to me. Marriage is beautiful, but it's more. Can I talk real? Please. Now, marriage ain't just sex. Please understand and know that, okay? <laughs> marriage is intentional work. You have to work. And marriage does not work if the two persons, if both of them don't want to be married. Because you got to be intentional about that. It's a. It becomes a life's journey. So my perspective on what marriage is, is why I was excited. I want it to be married. Interesting. I've seen um, family members married. My grandparents were married for over 65 Mm. years. And the only reason that's changed is because my grandfather passed in December. Yeah. Over 65 years of marriage, these are the kind of things that I came up witnessing and seeing. And so I wanted to be married. However, when I got married, I didn't tell anybody I was getting married. Oh, why not? And part of the reason um, for that is because sometimes you can do something that you want to do, but you know it may not be what God wants you to do. Talk, talk. But because you don't want anybody to remind you, you just go ahead and slip it in there. And even though some of that was at the underline of my decision, um, it wasn't because I did not love the man that I was marrying. Yeah. Um, it's not because I didn't want to be married to him. But in the back of me, there was still a question like, should I do this? Mm. And so I didn't want to give anybody a chance to tell me don't do it. I didn't want to give anybody a chance to tell me you should wait. Think, think, think about it again. I didn't want to hear any of that. I just wanted to, hey, if we're, if we're, this is what it's going to be. We either get married or you just go ahead. Okay, and when you say if this was going, if this is what it's going to be, what are you referring to? Um, in terms of marrying, so um, yeah. And what made you do it? Because well, the, one of the days came up, and he's like, "Okay, let's get married." I was like, "All right, let's do it." Because I wanted to be married. I got you wholeheartedly. Like yeah. I really wanted to be married, and I wanted to be married because um, coming through that time before I got married. I'd had Layla. I'd had my daughter. And so I was in a relationship with her father. And let me just pause here and say, even though I'm talking about all this and we're on the other side of marriage, we have an excellent relationship. So I don't want to paint anything yeah. that's like, oh, it, it that ain't what it is. Yeah. Okay, not at all. But I hope that what I'm sharing really helps somebody, all right? Yes. And I think this is going to give people insight as to why I am as I am now, as it relates to the importance of really hearing God and then carrying out what he says. Um, so it wasn't anything where I didn't love him or anything like that. I did. But after I had her, I started in ministry. Mm, so you didn't even start until after you had Layla? Yeah. And how old was let she me, when let you me, start- Let me give you the real. Let's go. Let me give you the real. Let's go. I got pregnant in my MIT class. Sitting in my MIT class and got pregnant with my daughter. And um, that was for me a very humbling season. Reason being, 
I've grown up in church. And so the backdrop of church that I grew up in, um, of course, they preach holiness. I have an excellent foundation. I'm not knocking anything. But as I look back over the culture of the church I came up in and look at the word of God that I absolutely live by, I can see where that culture was very judgmental. And there were some who were excessively religious. And so getting pregnant in my MIT class taught me humility. It taught me mercy and grace. Because coming up in that age, in that time of the church, you know, if if a young woman got pregnant, first of all, the problem I have is that if the young woman got pregnant, she didn't get herself <laughs> pregnant. But it was only the young woman. Facts. Let me lean this way, right? <laughs> but it was only the young woman who would be brought before the church yeah. to, to apologize to the church. Mm. We, we didn't hear too much about you repenting and apologizing to God, but never mind. <laughs> but she was brought to apologize to the church, ask the church for forgiveness. And I do understand the premise of where they got that from biblically. It went to the extreme, but the, but the premise of it is biblical, and I'm going to leave it right there. Yeah. Um, in terms of trying to stop things before it becomes where it just runs through, rampant through the house. Yes. How it was carried out, eh, I don't yeah. agree with, but I digress. Yeah. Anyway, so I would grow up seeing that, hearing stuff, and in the back, ooh, how could they do this? How could they? I, that, that, ding, guilty. Yeah. And so getting pregnant in my MIT class humbled me. Because you didn't just get pregnant while you were on a college campus, while you just out. No, you got pregnant on the other side of, okay, God, I'll do this. Let me lean in. Let me lean in for a minute. That's heavy. Let me lean in. So what it taught me is that, yes, you're called. Yes, you said yes to God. But there are some things that have got to be worked out of you for you to really walk out the yes in the way that he wants you to walk it out. I had to learn humility and grace. And nothing would teach it to you like being the subject yes, Lord. who needs mercy and grace. Yes. So now I personally, and I'm going to finish what I was stating. I'm personally at a space where when people fall, I can give you the truth of God's word, but I know how to give it to you with grace. And it's laced in grace and mercy because I remember that somebody who knew better. I, kn I know the word of God. It's not because I'm ignorant. I knew it. Sitting in my MIT class, I got pregnant. And so um, I had Layla in March. I knew the Lord had been dealing with me. I went through a season because by this time, um, I'm living on my own. I'm out. And every morning, 423 on the dot, I would wake up. So I start going through the same God, why do I keep waking up? And that's what started developing my prayer time. So on the backside of this happening, started seeking God and then realizing that God had not changed his mind Ooh. about who I was to be and what I was to do. <gasps> My lamb, that just will mess you up. It messed me up to the point that I really said, OK, God, I've got to walk it out, yeah. which is how I got to the point to say, if we're going to be, we're going to get married. I got you. Because I I cannot run a risk of playing or, or standing on, I got on you. both sides of this fence. I got you. Because I recognize the grace 
that was extended to me because with somebody who's grew up in church, that's why I tell people I wasn't born saved, but I, I was born in the church. My family, they've been in church all my life and they've served all of these things. I'm appreciative for the grace of God because he could have changed his mind and said, never mind, but he didn't. And so all of that happening is what made me um, when I, and I'm about remember the conversation that I had with him. If we either going to get married or we can't, we're not going to be able to deal However, even with that, that's what Toya wanted. But I also knew if you're going to do this, I should have waited. Mm. I knew it. And so um, so we, I was already a mother before we got married. We got married. We went through things that married people go through. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times of adjustment. Yes. Okay. Please understand, y'all, you're not going to live in a honeymoon stage forever. You got to come on and let's deal with life. All right. Yes. And life started happening on on all planes. Right. Things would happen, and so went through various challenges and things, but I would always put my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I can and will say, I honored my marriage. Yeah, that's like, real. Like, flat out. Like, for real. I honored, because, again, it's my perspective on what marriage is. Mm-hmm. And for me, and even as I grew through through my marriage, understanding that marriage is not just legal sex. Yeah, <laughs> Marriage is ministry and marriage is a representation Mm. of God and his people. Mm. So even in that understanding that through marriage, I'm not just with somebody for pleasure purposes. This is somebody that I serve. This is somebody that I have the responsibility from a wife perspective to help push into whatever their God assignment is. And and all God assignments are not from the pulpit. That's good. That's you, good. Your assignment could be ministry or marketplace. Yes. But whatever it is, my job, my my ministry is to serve that purpose. That's how I look at marriage. Yeah. And so I honored my marriage. Yeah. Right. And um and I think that if I wouldn't have honored it, and done all that I knew to do, I don't think my my ex and I would have the relationship that we have now. Yeah. Because we got a great relationship. Yeah. Like we, he needs something I need and, and it's a done deal yeah. and it ain't nothing twisted about it. It's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. You know? And so, um, but it was interesting. Um, I think out of everything um, that I experienced in my time of being married, one thing I would tell anybody, it marriage will help to discipline you. In more ways than one. (laughs) Big fact. For me, spiritually, it also helped to discipline me. Because I cannot serve someone that I don't have an insight into who they are and where they're supposed to go. And so sometimes, some of that will come out of conversation. Yes. Right? As that relationship develops and, and you're growing in that relationship and your bond is getting tighter, the more you trust that person, the more vulnerable you become, the more you're exposed of yourself. But what happens if you hit a brick wall? In terms of exposure. Okay, God, what do I need to know? Mm-hmm. What do I need to see? Mm-hmm. So it helped to discipline me and really drive me even more from a spiritual standpoint where I spent a lot of time in God's face. And you're preaching and singing at and, this time. And doing all of it. I After we got married, I got pregnant with my son, with Manny. Um, and you know about that because we were, we were rolling. <laughs> Harmony was singing during that time. And I sung all through my pregnancy. 
Yeah. I did. There were days I would get there and be sick as I don't I would get sick and I'm like, hey, can they move us up? And it would be funny because I could be, I could feel bad and time we it's time yeah. for us to minister. It's like nothing was ever wrong with me. And after it was like, y'all drag me to the car wherever <laughs> we got to go. Yeah. Sis got to go home. Yeah. But but I I enjoyed it. And there was a still a beauty in that. Um and even through that, and again, that discipline, I'm preaching through that. We're singing, doing singing ministry through that. But the one thing I did not do was to allow what I was doing to rob my family of my presence. Um, I used to tell Kashanda, even as, you know, more preaching opportunities would come in and just considering that Harmony was having opportunities, I would sit down and look at my calendar and there were some things I would tell her, no, I can't do this because I, I need to be home. I need to make sure that I'm not abandoning my kids or my husband. That was my mindset. And that's a good point because um, you and I have both witnessed people neglecting their families mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And and some of that, and again, it goes back to how church and ministry were presented in seasons past. Mm-hmm. That this is first. Mm. But if I understand scripture properly the family was ordained and instituted before the church. And so I think with that, we have to have that understanding that our first ministry is our family. Now, granted, we bring our families to church where we all, where families can come and assemble and we can worship together. But that ministry for me, and, and ministry in terms of my family is not always open your Bible, and we're going to exegete this text. No, no, no. Ministry to my family is serving them, being there. Hey, y'all good? To, let's conversate. Let's yeah. talk. Let me see where you are. What do you have going on? And just spending that time. And for me, it is just as important now as it was then yeah. to make sure. And especially because my kids were young then. Mm-hmm. Now Layla's 20. Yeah. Manny will be 16. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm about to pass out. Yeah. My baby will be 16 next yeah. month. So they've gotten older. So it's it's better for me now mm-hmm. because they've been raised. And they've been raised knowing our mom, we share her. And I appreciate my kids for yeah. understanding that. Like, we got to share our mom. But one thing they know is our mom has never abandoned us. There are some things, if something's like, no, I'm sorry, I can't go. Yeah. And, and it's not about. And I appreciate platforms and opportunities. Yes. All of those things. Yes. All of that has its place. But no, because I, I need to be here for this right here. Oh, I need to be here for that right there that's because good. my family is my first ministry. Mm. And so um, even coming through that time, I was very intentional and I would tell them, nope, I can't. No, I'm sorry. Tell them no. If they can send another date because I can't do this one because I've been doing a bit much. And I got to make sure that my family is always taken care of. And I, I I do that now, like yeah. even coming up. Mondays is my day, but it's also partly their day. So yeah. even before Layla graduated um, and Manny was in school, like Mondays, I would take my uh, Sabbath during the early part of the day. Yeah. But on those evenings, especially if I had been out the week before, maybe a bit more over the weekend, mm-hmm. like that was me and my kids. Where are we going? No, we just going out somewhere, and that's just our time. That's good. That's just our time. Yeah. Um, If you don't mind sharing... What was your husband's point of view at the time of you preaching? Um, one thing I know that he knew because I told him 
is that, okay, um, you know, I know I'll be a preacher. So he knew that from the jump. Yeah. I think he had to adjust to it, though, because our upbringing is different. And he used to talk to me a lot about that to really help me to understand, Tori, I didn't come up the way that you came up. From the family dynamic, all of it. And granted, he had family, but in terms of, like, the closeness and all those things— that was completely different for him. That was a big adjustment for him. Yes. And I must applaud him for, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. taking that on because again, we we're we are so here. Yeah. That can be a little scary if you're not accustomed to it. Let's yes. just tell the truth. Yes. And so um he had to adjust to it. And I think hearing me say that at one stage, and then of course witnessing my downfall, so to speak. Yeah can make it look like well hold on now how you gonna do because you said this but i'm seeing this yeah that when it really started manifesting i think he was like oh wow yeah you know kind of a thing like oh you yeah okay you meant that yes (laughs) because and i i remember i used to tell him the call of god has been on my life all of my life and so ultimately that's the place of surrender that you come to Mm-hmm. If it, well, never mind. Don't say it like that. That's the places you should come to because you don't know what price you have to pay for disobedience. And I'll, I'll say it that way. So um, he adjusted. I think it was probably a bit to adjust to again, but um, he 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 adjusted. Yeah, yeah he adjusted. And again, one thing that I used to um, be very intentional in him knowing um, was that. I still, I still believe in first things first. Yeah. With my family first. And so I even used to tell him some things I'm not doing because I've been gone. Unless yeah. he would go. Yeah. Now, if he would come hang out, okay, cool. Yeah. Because I didn't want to ever, I didn't ever want him to feel like, oh, you don't matter. You just, like, Ooh. no. No. And, and just thinking about marriage in and of itself, whether it's a man or a woman in ministry or whatever you're doing, because again, every ministry is not preaching. Maybe you're an artist, maybe you're an author, whatever it is you do, if it's going to require times of separation from your family, you almost have to go overboard mm. to make sure that they know your place is solid. That's good. Your place is solid. And That's so he adjusted, good. but I, I think part of that adjustment was just knowing your place where I'm concerned. Yes. It's solid. And how many years were y'all married? Uh, a little over nine. Ooh. A little over nine years together, just under 12. Wow. But married a little over nine years. Wow. So, yeah. So it's been a lot of transitions. Yeah. A lot of adjustments. Yeah. You know, because divorce, even in and of itself, is a big adjustment. Sheesh. That's a major adjustment. Yeah. You know, and um, so even mm. that process was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I was still in ministry going through all of this. Talk about it. Because that, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big thing. Um, first of all, it's a big thing because it's while I'm going through separation that the Lord says, okay, now you're going to start the church. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're doing. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. God, time out. Traveling. Foul on the play. Wait, Lord. Yeah. Hold on. We're going to do what? Yeah. Who's going to do harm well? Hmm? Yeah. So, um, even with that, first of all, it took a lot um, for me to come to that place. And even with that, it's just praying because it's hard to walk away from something that you've invested so much time and intentionality in. However, 
we have to come to grips with understanding that sometimes it is best to know, come here, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> no, was it Kenny Rogers? <laughs> come on, Kenny, minister to us today. Kind of the late, because I believe he's the late Kenny. But sometimes you, you're holding on to things longer than what you should because you don't want to, of course, feel the feelings of defeat. And two, you don't want to hear the opinions. Mm -hmm. Let's just tell the truth, right? Because yeah. there's so much that you got to deal with. And for me, more than the external, it's the internal because I know, like, no, I did everything I could for this to work. So that was big adjustment. However, I learned and I have learned and I tell people, just take my witness for, for it and just let, let my witness be your helper. <laughs> um, when... You pray, and when God opens the door, you got to learn how to take the way of escape when it's made. Because you don't know what could be on the other side, again, of disobedience. And I've just come to a place in my life, point blank, I don't want to even find out what some of the consequences could be. And I'll leave that right there. So, the voice, it was, it was challenging. Um... I went through a time where, of course, things that I've established, I'm now losing because I've been on my own for all these years. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my father because financially and things of that sort, I was not ready for a divorce. Let's just tell the truth. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. going to be very honest. I wasn't ready for that. And I remember my dad, we were talking one day and he says, listen, I don't want you to feel like you got to try to figure all this stuff out. You know, we got all this room in this house. I talked to your mom. We didn't talk about it. You can come here. And I'm fighting with God tooth and nail. I don't want to. I'm not doing that. I'll do this right here. I do that because this is what I'm accustomed to, God. I'm, oh, I'm me and God. Oh, me and G, we going at it. But guess where I ended up? Praise the Lord. <laughs> but in hindsight, I'm going to be very honest with you. I thank God that I had um, that place of refuge because that's what my parents' home became to me was a place of refuge where while my life is in this upheaval, it provides some means of consistency because two things are happening while I'm going through this time. Yeah. Number it's like, one, it's almost like, like with your, the funny thing is it's a crazy contrast because it's almost like the death of one thing and the yep, birth of another. And the birth of another. I'm grieving and birthing at the same time because that being there gave me a place where number one I could adjust to the fact this see this that I've known all this time marriage and relationship all of this is shifting it's not gonna be on the other side of this what it was in my past and I thank God that I didn't run from that or try to deny anything that I felt coming through it I felt it and I had a place where I could feel it yes. right um Yet and still, though, let me help somebody. But everybody in the world didn't know all that I was feeling. I digress. <laughs> no, I was going through a divorce and people didn't know unless they knew because I told them. Yes. It wasn't for forefront preaching, singing, any of that. It wasn't this presentation, all men are dogs and I, ain't, I don't want no man and I'll never get me. It was none of that. I had a safe place to be honest with myself mm -hmm. and feel and grieve the fact that this has come to an end. Mm -hmm. Something that I wanted, something I'd worked for, something I'd invested in all that time at a safe place where I could process all of that while I'm still doing all of this on the other hand. 
And the other thing that was happening there, I'm adjusting to this, but then my children are adjusting. Yes. So being there did not just provide a safe place and a consistent space for me. It also gave it to my kids so that when I did need to be gone, I knew where they were, that just where they could just feel. Yeah. Be surrounded by extra, yes. that extra love, extra attention, because it, it wasn't just ending for me. A season, an aspect of their life yes. came to an end during that time frame. And so um, walking through that part was very challenging, but by the grace of God, I made it. And again, because I've come to a place in my relationship with the Lord, I'm just very honest and upfront with him where I can say, okay, God, I don't like this. I didn't like that. Da, 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 da. And God, it looks like you letting this happen. All of those things. Oh, I went through all of that with the Lord. I got it all out. Right. So that now I can be in the place where I'm good. Yeah. Heal from it like there's no, no nothing. Ain't nothing in there that ain't right. Yeah. You understand? And I believe that was important because, again, during this same time frame, 2016, September, mm-hmm. started the church. Yeah. And I did because that's what the Lord said. And yeah. so something ending, something starting, all in the same space, that takes a lot. Yeah. And I honestly could not have done it without the help of God, having just that presence of God and the word of God and then the support system yes. and family and friends. That Talk I about the support system for a minute. Support systems are very important. Yes. Again, first and foremost, my family, that's just our our bonding. So, you know, stuff comes up. Hey, we there for each other. What you need. And it's not something that we do that the world got to know about mm-hmm. because we're fam- this is what we do. This is what we do for others. We're absolutely going to do it one for another. Yeah. Right. You know, we we my family, by the grace of God, has just been graced with hospitality. Yes. So if you know, if you feed everybody else, no, but we're going to make sure our own eat, please. You know, those yeah. things of that sort. So we were there for one another, um, helping one another. Hearing my family would hear me during that time, even if there were different things, and okay, well, I'm feeling da da da, or even with things with my kids, they we would always go overboard, and my family would be there for that. And then I have some good friends, you do, I got some good friends, man. Yo, they've been where, riding with listen, you, man. <laughs> well, I can say to them, um, listen, this, this is how I'm feeling today, and just be honest. And they would pour into me, and even some of them with what their journeys have been were not just able to talk to their friend. They were, some of them were able to minister to their friend who is the preacher. Ooh. Cause for some people that's hard to do. Yeah. I, and I can't tell you, no, 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 yeah. no, you no. I feel like I need to tell you this and I need, cause I went through this and this is how I felt, but this is what I did. Some of my friends ministered to me. They didn't just give me a shoulder the, the cry on, so to speak, or give me their ear just to hear me vent. They poured in. They ministered to me. And so I'm really grateful for that mm. and being able to trust them in that things that I would share with them. I didn't have to worry about who they going to share this with. You know, when when is the violation of trust going to come? By the grace of God, I didn't have that to worry about. So I'm grateful for my family and my friends. Yes, that's good. I got good friends. Yes. Oh, I got good friends. Who? Hey, do I need to come help? What yes. What you need me to do? Yeah. Do you, you need some girl time? What we need yeah. to do? Those kind of things. Now we'll sing you here. We'll make sure we'll come to my house. Yeah. I ain't even got to be here. Just come. Yeah. You know, things of that sort. Family and friends that we do. And so I'm appreciative for all of yes. that. Yes. Because it, it takes a support system. And you need a, 
Oh, you need people with wisdom in your support system who are not going to encourage you to do, do something some, some that stuff. could be damaging. <laughs> yes. In yes. present and long term. Yes. You need people with wisdom. Yeah. Who will say, no, 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 nope, don't do that. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> nope. And then, you know, my character, certain stuff, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not putting everything out, but that's just me. That's just LB. That's yeah. who I am. But I know I have the kind of friends that if I would have had those kind of moments, uh-uh, they Toy, you're not yeah. going to do that. Nah. No, yeah. we're not doing that today. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> you need them kind of friends. Yeah. You need them kind of friends. Yeah. So Next, I want to talk to you about um, pastoring through the pandemic. Oh, my God. What was that like? Let me tell you something. I had my natural hair out. I do a lot of sew-ins for convenience from travel. I had my natural hair out during the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Damaged my hair. Now, I'm I'm laughing, but I'm serious. It was, that was different. Now, you got to figure, for us, we were just coming just a little over three years old. Mm-hmm. We had just bought our building. We closed on our church in December 2019. Oh, geez. Right at the end of December. Sheesh. 2019. So uh, March, we did the dedication. Uh-huh. And I remember my spiritual mom, Dr. Wanda Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in that service. And I remember right at the point of doing benediction, her talking because my family was there. My grandparents. Church was packed. Yeah. And I thank God we didn't have incident because we were in COVID, but we didn't know. We didn't know at it the was time. COVID. Yeah. Because I recall even earlier on in that year, different people who had different, um, who were feeling sick, had different stuff going on. Where the doctor didn't say it was fluted. They, so we they know probably, what it was. But we didn't know what it was. So I thank God for grace there. I remember specifically her right before the benediction saying, you know, there's something going on. Um, and I've been watching the news. This is what they're saying it is. Um, be mindful of hugging her. I remember her saying that. Be mindful of hugging mama. She was refer- talking about my grandmother. Just be mindful. Just speak, but just be mindful. We did reception and everything after the service that day. Wow. But I remember that announcement that she gave. And so two weeks after that, for everything to start shutting down, was like, wait a minute. Yo. And I remember one day I'm walking through the church and I'm on the side hall going to my office like, now, God, what is really going on? Because we done bought this building and we can't even come in here. Like, I'm I'm going at it. It blessed us, though. But I'm going at it. I'm like, God, this don't make sense. He gave me wisdom to come through COVID. Um, through that time, of course, the church changed how we minister. We had to be open to doing things new mm-hmm. in a new way, which sometimes the church can struggle resist with. Yeah. change. Now, the word don't change. Let me make that clear. Foundation of the word is what it is. How you may present it may be where the changes come. We ain't changing the word. Now, that we ain't arguing over. Yeah. But our presentation, how we do things. And so during that time, as always, I had to be intentional. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to come through this? And that's one thing with the church and and the church and they can tell you I've always told them y'all I have to follow the directives that God gives me and as I do that we going advance yeah, and prosper yeah. and thanks be unto God that's what it's been so I remember praying God how do I do this what do you want me to do 
And in that, I believe part of God's answer was the connections that he started allowing me to make. So I'm a part of the Eastern North Carolina Ministerial Alliance, okay. um, which uh, Bishop Shelton Daniel is the president of that. Yeah. So I started getting access to meetings that were happening there. Um, conversations with Bishop Vanessa Bird. Yeah. You know, I, that was my covering. I'd ask yeah. her, you know, just so I know. Conversations with her, conversations with um, Dr. Parker, different ones that I was hearing and kind of seeing, okay, what are they doing? How do we do? And then in asking God, what do you want me to do? So we went virtual. Yeah. So the only ones who, for a while, that were in the sanctuary was the music ministry and media. That was it. And we multitasked. We became the janitors. Like, we did it all because nobody else is coming. And the blessing in that, in part, was we were all, for one, a lot of my family. So my nieces, all of, we would be there. Um, and others who were there, we were like family anyway. Yeah. So, our, so we were always together. So we knew that group that was there. So it kind of builds a core foundation so when the doors open y'all y'all rock solid at that point gotta rock solid so it was just us coming in because this is a thing that i learned and that i tried to share with others for one pastoring brings its own weight of responsibility yes without a pandemic <laughs> right because you are responsible to god for his people mm-hmm okay Add COVID to that. Now I've got to be responsible to these people in another way because I don't want to expose you to something that could take you out of here. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. That that can be stressful. And so for me, and that's why I start laughing about having my natural hair out. <laughs> um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Because that can be stressful. That word, that thought in the back of your mind that if somebody coughs or if somebody says, well, I'm, I'm not really feeling good, I would. For me, it was making sure, God, I don't want to expose anybody. So I got to make sure I'm doing exactly what you tell me to do. Yeah. Because I can't bear in my person knowing I'm the reason. Yeah. Somebody contracted this and things went the way yeah. that they went by the grace of God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. We were covered. And when I say covered, covered. And I believe what kept us covered was obedience. Yeah, that's good. Right? So we um, went virtual, but it was different. Even when um, we started having services, we had just bought the, the building. So we were able to do worship outside of walls. Yeah. So people would come on Sundays, sit in the cars or bring the lawn chairs. And we did worship outside. That's beautiful. To the point, and it was a blessing for us. People, I looked up one Sunday, I saw a man sitting on the roof of the barn. I looked up one week, there were people who were standing around at the fences in the neighborhood of where our church is. I found out some months later, uh, my mom was sharing with me, there, there are persons who live in some of the apartments still in walking distance of the church. And she shared with my mom, they would put their chairs in their backyard to listen to service on Sunday morning. Wow. So what I was upset with God over in one space, I went back and repented. I want y'all to know I repented. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That you, God, you've been God in a long time. Let me fall back and chill on out. Yeah. I appreciated him for it because... Unlike many, our doors, in that sense, never closed. Yeah. So people who couldn't worship at their at their home churches were coming to Rhema. Wow. And we churched. Because, yeah. you know, we're going to do it like we do it. I looked at one Sunday, people were laying out in the grass, laying out in the <laughs> asphalt, being filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, just we're going to do what we yeah. do the way that we do it yeah. to the glory of God. So it was different. That um, 
just that worry and that concern to make sure that I was not irresponsible navigating that time. Because again, the people aren't mine. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so I didn't want to do anything out of pride or arrogance. Well, ain't nobody going to tell me I can't do it. Eh. Didn't want that to ever be my posture. Yeah. God, what do you want us to do? And in that, we saw we saw so many people um, survive COVID who never caught COVID. Yeah. They survived COVID even though they were never diagnosed as COVID positive because COVID started to mess with people's minds. Yes. It started to mess with their emotions, their minds, some people being um, isolated. So then anxiety starts breeding and then people don't know what to do or just dealing with um, what I call um, unresolved grief in that we people were losing loved ones but you couldn't walk out things in the traditional way that you've done to be able to visit them yeah, or man. knowing that they had to pass by themselves or things of that sort that brought a lot up in people so i believe that even though it was a lot on my shoulders i thank god he brought us through it and in that um in following his directives people survived covid wow people didn't some people didn't leave god some a lot of them left the church, but some of them didn't leave God yeah. because there was an intentionality for us. God, what do you want us to do? What's our assignment? Yes. And they came. Even when we initially went back in the building, we started back. When we came back in the building, we started in the fellowship hall so we could spread out a bit more. And people were coming like we had churches bringing their whole churches. What? Yeah. Some pastors know our church is going to come to your church on Sunday. And so we still had to use wisdom. So when I knew that was going to happen, I would tell the usher, okay, reserve this section for for this group of people that's coming so they can be together and worship still because you still got to have the wisdom to navigate through yeah. things. Um, and so that's a lot. So yeah. it was different. And granted, I hadn't been passing that long anyway. Yeah, and that's the thing. Come like, on now. Jeez. What? <laughs> yeah, God, you could, this is what you're going to do to me? Yeah, that's... Yeah, this that's... early on. <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm grateful for it because... It encouraged me to maintain what I've always done, and that is to seek God for direction for everything. Mm. Seek God for direction and seek out wise counsel. Yes. So I I would always, if if things would be questioned, I knew I could call Bishop Bird. I could mm-hmm. call Dr. Parker. I could call Bishop Daniel. Yeah. And have those conversations yeah. and to make sure, okay, no, I'm doing right because these are the things that I'm seeing yeah. the senior leaders do, not in age, in terms of their years of service, yeah. people that I trust, shoulders that I'm standing on, okay, I'm all right. Yeah, that's you know, good. So, so all of that was important to me. Um, I think, too, for me, as a pastor, COVID helped to develop good relationships mm-hmm. because pastors needed pastors yeah, during man. that time to really encourage because everybody's instructions to get through it were not the same. Yeah. Some people weren't able to have church maybe because they're in a rural area where your Wi-Fi wasn't going to be as good yeah. or you didn't have enough space, you know, yes. it, it all varied. And so being able to share with other leaders, other pastors to really encourage them during that time frame too, and us praying one for another I think that that's one of the good things yeah. that came out of it as well, making sure that other soldiers didn't yeah. abandon the battlefield because this was something none of us had ever seen before. So coming out of the pandemic, you're building these relationships. Is is that when things started to shift for you as an evangelist? Like, did you see stuff start to pick up once? It did start picking up. Okay. Now, for me... Um, 
really on that back end of COVID, probably the latter part of 2020 when they were thinking, okay, we kind of kind of getting a grip on these things. I would start going out sparingly. Now I did a lot of things. I still did a lot of ministry opportunities. We but a lot of them were virtual. Yeah. So I'll be right there in my house <laughs> having church. Yeah. Like to the point one night, <laughs> my daughter was so mad with me one night. I did a um I got a like a, a later call in the evening yeah. to do a midnight prayer for one of my mothers. <laughs> so that time her room was on the back side of my office. And I'm up having church how I do it. And she's banging on the wall like, Mom, will you please be quiet? Because she had to go to work the next day. Um, or And then one day, a neighbor, I was doing prayer in the house. She's getting out of the car. She shoots in the house. Like She was so embarrassed. And, we're like, and I'm like, what's wrong? She was like, I'm so embarrassed. There's a man walking down the street. And he hear you in there hollering. And he having revival by yourself. And he stopped by my mailbox looking like, what's going on? She said, I was so embarrassed to get out of the car. <laughs> But it's what I do. Yeah. So I did a lot of virtual services. Yeah. Um, we would do pre-recorded services mm-hmm. for cert, uh, ministries and send that over so that worked. So when we started, though, getting back on the road, and Kashonda would still travel me with me during that time frame, um, I just tried to use caution. And even in that, I was very prayerful. God, is this where you are sending me? Because I still have to be aware that I'm leaving my safe zone, so to speak, yeah. my bubble, yeah, to ex- to be exposed, mm-hmm. potentially exposed, and um, so I would go and I just did the practical things. I wore my mask. Ain't no, I'm not going to hell because I'm putting a mask on, <laughs> and mask don't mean I ain't got faith. I got faith and I got a mask. Yo, people were saying that. I, <laughs> whatever. Yo, no, that's no, 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 no. I'm, no, I, you don't believe God because you put on a mask. You say what you want to say. I trust him. I trust him enough that I'm going to put this mask on that he has provided. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Didn't just have my mask. I had my manitizer. Y'all go to manitizer.com. Get you yeah. some hand sanitizer. Smell good. Um, but I would carry my 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 hand sanitizer. Yeah. Um, and even in ministry moments and even in that, there's a discipline because there will be some places I would go into and the leaders would say, okay, we don't want any hands laid. I wasn't looking at them. You ain't going to tell me I can't lay hands. Yes, sir. Yeah. Y'all, I'm going to pray for This going to be our altar call right here. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray. Because, you know, that doesn't determine. Never mind. Okay. Cause, no, 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 no. Let's I'm do it. I'm getting ready to say something. No, let's say it. Okay, okay. Well, well, say it in yeah. a good way because I think I know what you're going to say. My anointing is what it is. And so even, maybe this is just something to help a present preacher or an upcoming preacher. Yes, be okay with the order that is established in the place because what you are anointed to do, that anointing is going to work. Whether I literally lay my hands on you and I understand because sometimes it that point of contact is necessary. But when the head of the house, because the spirit, that, that's who is subject to, if they say, hey, don't do an altar call, you can pray, but don't gather people at the altar, I'm going to stand right there from where I am, lift your hands and trust the hand of God oh, to rest good. on you. And sometimes preachers, and, and I'm not knocking us, but there are some at times who don't understand and realize, number one, you got to be careful of that because that can be the presence of arrogance and pride. Because when you come into a place, you are you become subject to the order of that house, right? I have no problem with that. Yes. And so there will be some places I would go into. I didn't argue with that. 
there were times where I had the liberty that I would, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because I still had to use caution because I got a family to come back home to. Facts. Okay? My grandparents in their 80s, oh, God, I want to be able to go see my grandparents and make sure that I'm not potentially bringing something to them. Yeah. Because at their age, you know, their age for one, other health challenges, my parents, all that. My, I have all of that to think about. Yeah. And myself. Yep. Let's just tell the truth. Yeah. So I, I would um, be really intentional to pray through those things and yeah. just move with God. Yeah. And again, the safety of obedience, yes. by the grace of God, he kept me covered. Yes. For real. For, yes. Thank you, Jesus. I say that openly. And so the, all those things were an adjustment for me. Yes. Um, but COVID, it taught us you can be disciplined. Yeah, man. Hey, hey. I, we went through a season. We did service in an hour and 20 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> That's another thing. It's like. Come on. <laughs> hour and 20 minutes. And y'all know I love Jesus. And I, I the word gets good to me. And I just. Ooh. But listen. Sis, I'm like, no, we're going to do this in an hour. No more than an hour and 20 minutes from start to finish. And it and now we never restricted the Holy Ghost. I don't want. However, no, we're going to be in. Especially when we went back in the building initially. Mm-hmm. We, in, we in and out of here. And then y'all go get the machines. Because I bought the machines. Spray the house down, of God down because I felt like that was my responsibility. Yeah. Lysol and everything. Yeah. Because we just wanted to keep things in order, but it just, it, it taught a different level of, of discipline. It yes. helped us to see. Yes. You no, know, you, you can do this. Yes. You can do this. Yes. You can do, you can start on time and finish on time. You can do this. <laughs> Facts. Facts. So now that, <laughs> now that it's over, how has ministry and evangelism been oh now? Oh my God. It's been amazing. I've seen, and I thank God for the privilege to travel and do what I do the way that I do it. Yeah. But I've seen some who are still adjusting to just coming back together. Within this last year, um, year and a half, there have been some convocations I've gone to where this is the, the their, their churches, their organizations, first time mm. really coming back together since COVID. I've seen some who've been rolling. Mm-hmm. So that's been um, interesting to watch. Um, and to help lead people into what I call recovery. Mm-hmm. Because on the backside of this, all of us got things we got to recover from, the yeah. effects of this thing. Yeah. So being a part of that season of healing, deliverance, and still advancement is a blessing for me. Yeah. Walking, walking people through that and helping them to understand we all came through the same thing. We all know what a crisis season looks like. Yes. But don't forget, that if God has you here, it's because there's more for you to do while you're here. So don't be guilty. Don't feel guilty over what happened in that space. Let's deal. Let's process. Let's give it to God. Let's heal. Let's be delivered yes. from that. Um, and and my biggest thing to people that I saw was people being, their lives being governed by fear. Mm. So breaking that that wall of fear down to help people to understand. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. COVID was traumatic. Mm. Traumas produce fear. Yeah. So helping people to understand, no, you can't live in in that kind of fear for the rest of your life. You're here because there's something else God has for you. So as a preacher, did you ever like go to God specifically to ask him to give you a message to address that in certain houses? I always ask God. Yeah. And I'm not being deep because some people, when I say that, this is who I've always been. Yeah. I always ask God, what do you want me to say to your people? Yeah. What is your word for your people? Yeah. And there would be times um, coming through 
especially if I walked in and you could feel mm. the anxiety, you could feel the fear. Or even coming through, um, sometimes during the week, I would get calls, I would get emails, messages, where you knew that anxiety, wearing people out, that fear. Father, what do you want me to say to your people? Yes. And he he would give me yeah. his word. Yes. Hey, no, 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 no. Yes. You know, you're not going to get stuck in this cave. Yes. Because somebody needs you. You got to come out of this because somebody needs what you carry. Yes. I remember specifically one um, service the Lord allowed me to um, talk about David when he was in the cave of Abdullah. Mm-hmm. And David is running. He's in this dark place, caves. This dark place, this place of isolation. It could also be a place of risk. But at this point, place of isolation, you're trying to escape something. But because of who you are and what you carry, there were men who came and got in that cave with them. Like, we ain't coming out without you. Because where they were destined to go was connected to David. And so I remember one message helping people to understand, you can't stay stuck in this cave, this fear, anxiety. It cannot, you can't let it paralyze you. Because there are people who need what you carry. They don't get to their destiny without you being in your place. What up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and I'm interrupting the pod to present an opportunity for y'all to support the brand and the fam. So do this for me. Head over to RajayXShaw.com, click the merchandise tab, and grab a hoodie, t-shirt, or hat. And remember this thing. No matter what people say or think, live your life. Now back to the episode. And so when things like that would happen, I'm like, Father, thank you. That's rhema word. That That is word that somebody needs to hear right now that's going to help them to navigate their present so they don't abandon their future. They don't abort the assignment. So, yeah, God was good to us during COVID, man. It was amazing. I don't necessarily want to do it again, Jesus. Facts. Hallelujah. Facts. Your, crazy. But God was good. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, I want to get back to the, you called it the E. E320. All right. So E320. I want to get back there and I want to ask you um, a question that I think will help preachers or anyone who's embarking on bigger platforms. Okay. How do you manage um, godly assignments with popularity? Ooh. Let's go. That's an amazing question. <laughs> For me, and again, I speak from my true self, who I am. Yeah. My God assignment does not carry for me an intention to be popular. Mm. It never has. I remember being in my dorm, Metcalf dorm on NC State's campus, coming up and praying earnestly, but not even understanding the weight of what I was asking for. My prayer was always, God, I just want to be powerful in you. That's it. I've never prayed and asked God, give me this platform, send me to that place. Never done that because that's not my focus. My focus and earnest intent is to do that, which the Father has anointed and ordained my life to do. I just want to please him. Now, in the process of doing that, I've been privileged to stand on certain platforms, and I'm sure that there are more to come. For me, I take that gracefully. Because I, again, remember it didn't have to be like this. So the fact that I have this opportunity, Father, I give you glory for that because I didn't ask for this. This is what you're giving me. And I believe the things that the Lord is permitting me to do, the places he's permitting me to go, are because um, he can trust me 
because this is not about me. I want to carry him well. Um, and because I've never had an objective for popularity. That's it's good. Just, it's just yeah. never been. Good. That's good. That's never been my thing. That's I ain't good. knocking nobody who, eh, do you, boo. Yeah. But LB, I just want to please God. I want to yes. carry him well. That's yes. all it is for me. And so um, wherever I go, whatever platform I go on, whatever privilege to serve I have, wherever it is, I'm not going to abandon Jesus when I get there. If you invite me, please know he coming with me. Which which leads me to my next question. Have you ever have you ever been invited somewhere? Now I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm going go there. Let's go. Have you ever been invited somewhere where you could feel like where you felt like the invite came from a weird place? Absolutely. Ooh. We get those and there are times and again, I'm still I'm prayerful with everything. Father, if some come through here and it ain't your will and I don't need to go, I don't care what's attached to it. Father, if you say no, I'm not going. Because some people will go anyway because it's... Because it's that platform, because <laughs> it's that money, because it's that number of people, it's that yes. opportunity for exposure. That's not my objective. Because we got to keep in mind, okay, here we go. Let's go! When we look at Apostle Paul, um, when we look in the book of Acts, there was a particular passage that Paul is talking about that there was a region he wanted to go in. And he says, I wanted to go in this region, but the spirit wouldn't allow me to go. That in, in other words, he's saying to us, the place that I want to go into, the spirit of God is not going to let me go there because the spirit knows all things. Right. So the spirit knows what I'm subject to experience when I get there. And this is Paul. So he was already having various experiences anyway. Yeah. We look at him going to Macedonia. I think it's Acts 16 when he went even into Macedonia. That's where they end up, him and Silas, in, in the yeah. inner court, in the prison. Right? Um, All of those things. So he had some experiences before. But in that particular region, when the Holy Ghost said don't go, Paul didn't force it. Well, I'm going to go anyway. He was like, okay, well, spirit forbade me. I couldn't go, so I ain't going. I take that same approach. Um, everything that looks good is not God. I live by that. It can be good, but I ask, but is this God? Is this what he wants for me? Yes. And so if he puts that no, and I've learned this from the past. Hey, if God said no, let me fall back. Yes. Oh, but God, that would have been good. But because you said no, or because you said not yet, not now, I'm going to be content in that. I'm not going to try to force what I want in a time that it's not what you want for me, because then I have to deal with the consequence of that, which I cannot blame on God or the devil. That's so Cause in this time that we live in, um, with, with this being what we do, sometimes it can be like, It's like, okay, I want to do the will of the Father. That's my objective. Mm -hmm. And I want to pay my mortgage. Mm -hmm. Real, That's real talk. <laughs> that's real talk. And it's like, but God, this this a big change. Yes. Yes. Lord, you know how much I'm turning? What? But that has to be, um, I don't necessarily want to use the word standard. I'm, I'm going to say it this way. In that place, though, my conviction is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And I am convicted that whatever I need, I carry this conviction. Because a lot of times people hear conviction, they limit it to 
what you feel some type of way about as it relates to sin. Sin, yeah. But I'm convicted even about my faith. That if I say I trust God, yes, this could be a beautiful check. Oh, my lamb. For a little bit of work, yeah. right? But if the Lord does not want me exposed to that environment or even to those people, because if we're not careful, we can run the risk of ruin by association. You may not be doing what they're doing, but the fact that your name has become associated heavily with persons who may be limited or excessive, thank you, Holy Ghost, in their practice. Mm. Right? That could suggest some things where you're concerned. And so for me, it's like, no, 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 the check could be good, but Father, you told me you would supply my need. So if I obey you, if you say don't do this or don't do that, whatever it may be, and I deny myself, because mm. if I'm a follower, I got to deny myself anyway. anyway. If I deny myself, my conviction is to trust you, my mortgage going to be paid. Yeah. And I'm going to have something left over. <laughs> that, that's the E320, though. Yeah. I'm going to pay it and I'm going to leave you with something. You're going to have some, some, go go get your little something, something. Just for, just for trusting me. Like, you know, it's that important. But that's how I approach walking with God, that there will be opportunities that will be presented and all of them are not always bad. Some of them can be wonderful. It can be good. But the question is, is this God? Mm -hmm. Is this what he wants for me? Mm -hmm. Is being, is being in in this environment or atmosphere Will God get any glory out of my presence? Mm. And if he won't, if it's just people going to feel good, but he's not glorified. Or people can say, oh, we had her over here. That's she was over here with us. Because I know. That tell my nerves all but, to pieces. But I do understand and know, and I'm not being funny, and this is not just me. This, this could there, be the case with a lot of persons. Some people, that's that's their objective to yeah. be able to say, oh, I didn't, we done did, da, 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 da. Yeah. It's not about the glory of God being revealed. It's not about the word of God. It's not about transformation. It's not about change. It's not about healing. It's not about deliverance. It's not about a desire to obey God. It's just being able to say, oh, she was here. Yeah. What? Yeah, that goes on. Huh? Dang. That and and I'm I'm aware of that. Yeah. I'm yeah. very aware of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I also know I have to be cautious in that because I think and again, this is LB talking. Y'all please don't misconstrue nothing I say. I say what I mean though, but don't take <laughs> go left with it. For me to do that, I'm in a sense then prostituting myself because I know all you want is what I have to offer. There's no real care or concern. Yeah. It's just, I just want to feel good out of this moment. Mm. I, that was a little strong of a word. Yeah, you, you got me. I meant it though. You got yeah. me. You got me. You got me. Yeah. Okay, okay. Give me a second. Yeah. You got to be careful. You don't prostitute yourself. It's easy. It, it can be easily done, especially when you're, um, because sometimes, which is why it is important to pray. You don't really, sometimes you think people mean well. Yeah. And I think, I think that's our human nature. We want everybody to come from a good place, but some, sometimes that's not the case. And we just, we just have to rely on God. The Bible tells us that when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead us and guide us in all truth. Spirit of truth, speaking of the Holy ghost, right? Mm -hmm. The Holy ghost is our helper, Mm -hmm. right? So one of the ways that he helps me is to make me aware or the or I'm able through his aid to discern mm-hmm. intentions. 
So that's why we need we need the spirit of God in us so he can help us. He can reveal to us what our naked eye does not see. Yes. Because he searches out the hearts of men. I can't search it out, but he can. And so he knows what the motives and intentions are. Yeah, that's good. And so if I listen to him, he's going to protect me from a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I hear one of my aunts, she often talked about um, people with, when they have opportunities to be promoted on jobs. And she's like, all money ain't good money. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can get promoted, but that, that ain't that's necessarily good exactly. money. It's more money, but if it's more headache, more stress... <sighs> If you're, if you, even one of my buddies, that's her approach. You know, if, if this is something that could potentially put me at risk to be out of here, all money ain't good money. No different with our opportunities for ministry, business, whatever it is that we're doing. Every opportunity is not a God opportunity. It can be good, but you got to think what could be on the other side of this. Yes. You know, and so um, I just stay alert and aware of that because, again, I really want to carry God well. I want to represent him well. I want to represent my family well. I want to represent my church well. Yes. And so I have to live with that manner of temperance, yes. that type of discipline, not to become gung-ho because this person's name was on that opportunity yes. or it's this arena or this stage or this crowd. Mm, I understand that. But I also understand that every environment is not conducive for who I am. Every environment is not conducive for who I am. So I got it. So I have to, I have to always consider myself protecting myself, protecting my influence. Cause sometimes people want you to come for your influence. Facts. That's all they be wanting sometimes. (laughs) I'm not trying to go political, but look at a lot of political things. There are some places because we coming into political, you know, season voting and all that. Some stuff people want to be able to, plug into your influence and so but if what you want to present is not conducive for who i am yeah you can you can't, can, you, you can't you can, plug yes, in yes because no, 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 no. you don't want to you don't ever want to taint exactly. the people you've been assigned to to exactly yeah that's so, real so if the atmosphere is not conducive for who i am who i am and what my assignment is yeah she not going yeah. I love you. No, I'm not available this time. <laughs> yeah. And that's just it. I'm yeah. not, you know, no, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't come right now. Yeah. Um, you know, if they said if something else is submitted and God said no, I'm sorry, this date is unavailable. Gosh. And it's just that simple. Yes. Because is it easy for you to say no? Oh yeah. Let's go. Sir, I- what? <laughs> no is one of my top three words. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm not able to do that. Yeah. No. I don't have a problem with no, but again, I think all the things that I do and how I do go back to my upbringing mm-hmm. and just my character and how that's been shaped and developed. Yeah. I am so settled in who I am. Yeah. I don't have a reason to give everybody a yes because yeah. I'm not looking for affirmation, validation. I'm not looking for a bunch of friends. I feel real good about myself. I know who I am. I know who's around me. So I don't I don't fear saying no, worried about, oh, she didn't come, or thinking that saying yes is going to make me something. I know who I am. I'm very solid on that. So I so I can say no. And be just as sweet about it. Yeah. You know, and it's never anything to belittle anybody or anything like that. But you you have to be able to do that. And you have to make, Scripture says, make your moderation known. So I make it known where I'm coming from. I can love you, all of those things. But no, that's not for me. And that's just it. Yeah. 
And I think people will respect you more when you do that. Yeah, I agree. Because they know, okay, this is just who she is. I'm not, this is just who I am. Yeah. No, I can't do that. And that's just it. And if you're upfront with that, direct, and you're not nasty about it, because I'm, I'm, my personality, I'm just not a nasty person. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, they understand and they respect that. Yeah. And so you don't, you know, it ain't creating no waves because I said no. Yeah. My no is just no. The Bible says, yes, yes, yes. You know, be no. Yeah. Be hot or be cold. Don't play around in that middle ground. Yeah. Huh? Don't be lukewarm. Huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh, there's, 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 there's a young woman listening to this or watching this she may be a single mother Mm -hmm. she um may be in a relationship she may be divorced and she may feel like those choices have um caused god to forsake her what would you say to her i would say to that woman first and foremost um have a conversation with god that's what prayer is communication and it's not just the aspect of communication whereby we do all the talking. There's an aspect of communication that involves listening. Have a conversation with God. Talk and listen. Talk to him and listen for him. Um, and in that conversation, you'll come to know, and a lot of that conversation is played out when you open that book and hear what he's saying to you. You'll find out as you look throughout the scriptures that you've not done anything that is so horrible that God would write you off or deny you if you will confess your fault to him right Bible tells us in John if you confess your sins he is just and faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness so whatever that may be have that conversation where repentance unto God is required do that then the second most important thing that I've learned forgive yourself we we of course we need the forgiveness of God Let's not, we can't tiptoe around that. But once you know you're forgiven of God, and the Bible says that once God settles it with you, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness to remember it no more. The next thing is for you to get it from over your own head. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself if you made the wrong choice. Forgive yourself if you maybe dated or married the wrong person. Forgive yourself if um, you went against what you know God. Forgive yourself That is critical. Sometimes it's not people and their thoughts that hold us hostage because people talk about it for a good five to seven days. And and after that, it's over because they moved on to whatever else is fresh. Yeah. So the true weight as it relates sometimes to our captivity is not what they say or what they do. It's what we say and do. And a lot of times we will not say to ourselves, you're forgiven. And we won't release ourselves from the weight of our last bad decision. It is okay to forgive yourself. Somebody really needs to hear that. It's quite okay to sit and say, I know I shouldn't have done it. I disappointed myself. I put myself beneath what I deserve. But I'm releasing myself from it. Because a lot of times that's what causes things that are over to be finished. What are you talking about? I go, go, that's, go, go, That's go, what go. causes things that are over to be finished. Okay? Um. Um, I, I talked about this Saturday, how when you look at Israel, the group, the nation of Israel, um, in Exodus 12, we see God deliver them out of slavery, right? 31 through 33 verses of chapter 12. Go read it, right? You'll see that death has come and Pharaoh calls for Moses and says, hey, come get these people and y'all get out of this land. They're delivered. They leave. 
Exodus 12 reveals to us they leave because yeah. when you keep on reading, it tells you as they exit, they got the, the possessions of the Egyptians. They are leaving, right? It's over. Egypt in that aspect is over, but Egypt is not yet final. How do you figure it ain't final? Because Egypt is still in their head. That's why they struggle. That's why they wonder. That's why they are stuck. That's why they are stalled. And many of them die outside of the promised land. Because even though my season or or, or that location of bondage and slavery is over, it is not finished because I still got it in my head. That's why when you meet them in Exodus 14, I believe it was, and they could hear the sound of the chariots coming behind them and they're at the Red Sea, they're mad with Moses. You should have left us where we were. At least we were going to eat. At least we had food. Granted, I'm a slave, but I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care that I'm a slave. I don't care that my life has been made bitter, that I've been hard tasked, and I'm... I'm working to do what the oppressor wants me to do. This ain't even necessarily what I want to do, right? I'm My life is manifesting somebody else's desire. Forget all of that. They weren't thinking about that because even though I'm out of that particular location, Egypt is still happening in my head. So as it was for them, so it must be for us now. Some of us, the thing that you are still grappling with internally has been over. You've got to let it be made final. And sometimes finality is when we say in my mind, in my heart, in my thoughts, in terms of how I see myself, how I treat myself, how, how I have a tendency to self-sabotage. Because sometimes self-sabotage is the result of what you're still holding over yourself. Let me let this thing be final because it's been over. So let me forgive myself. And the forgiveness sometimes is the final to whatever has still been happening in our head. And when I talk about our head, I'm talking about our thoughts, I'm talking about our emotions, um, what that which drives our behaviors that keeps us rehearsing and doing the same things over and over when in our heart we know I'm better than this. <laughs> so forgive yourself. Forgive yourself, sis. Bro, you too. Forgive yourself. Let that season be made final. It's been over. You've been out of that relationship. You've been off that job. You've been moved from that state. Like you, you've those people, y'all have been separated for how long now? Let it be made final. And sometimes final is simply forgiveness. Forgiveness of self. Third and final, forgiveness of others. Release them. You know, a lot of people struggle with forgiveness. And this is one of the things that the Lord has truly taught me. And people often struggle with how I talk about it because forgiveness is required. It ain't optional. We are to forgive because we've been forgiven. Hmm. Point okay? blank. Point blank. If he's forgiven us, we must forgive others. That's what Jesus said, and that ain't changing for none of us. But here's what people also have to understand about forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean the offense was right. Interesting. For me to forgive you for what you did to me does not mean that I'm saying what you did was okay. No, it means I'm not going to allow that thing to have power over my life anymore in the, in the way that it keeps me stuck in something that's been over. So I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to forgive you and keep it moving. Yes. You don't get to an E320 with a lot of stuff over your head, whether you did it or they did it. You got you to gotta clear your, I call it clearing your pipeline. Ooh. You know, you, you seen them times, um, sometimes those of us who've washed our hair in the kitchen sink don't act like you ain't never done it. You've done it. And and after a while, it, you know, the water starts running slow, especially those in-home hairdressers where your kitchen sink was okay. You understand, right? Sometimes you need Drano to, to loose up your pipeline to make sure that water's flowing right. 
And I see forgiveness as the same way. When you got a lot of unforgiveness, whether it's against self or others, hanging out in your pipelines, you are blocking the flow of your blessings. You're blocking the flow of what the Father wants to give you, where he wants to take you. And not only what he wants to give you and where he wants to take you, but what you are purposed to give to others. It's all blocked until you start forgiving. So forgive yourself and forgive them. That's what I would say to you. Then go on and live. Enjoy life on the other side. Live on the other side of it. It's life on the other side. I am the witness. There is life on the other side, and I'm enjoying it. God is yeah. good to me. Listen here. Yeah. I got no sad story. I have, a, I, have a, I have a story of triumph. Yeah. A Romans 8, 28 story. All of it yeah. works together for good. And in all of yeah. it, we triumph through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's, that's yeah. what it is. It's that simple. It don't feel that simple, but it, that's really what it is. Yeah. That's it right there. Y'all. Thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs> I've had a ball with you today. This is amazing. I have had a ball with you today. <laughs> yo, like, yo. for real. Yo. For real, This for is real. crazy. It's been amazing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. It's been a long time. Yes. Right? Yes. Connected for years. Yes. At least 16 of them. <laughs> right? Right. Um, but thank you yes. just for giving me the opportunity to just be up front. And honest, because this is something I don't get a chance to do as often. Yeah. Um, but I, I really hope that the opportunity that you've afforded me today will really help someone to really see and understand. Um, life with God is beautiful. Yes. You know, we have ups and downs, but man, it's nothing like it. And God just, he rewards your faithfulness. He rewards your faithfulness. I do. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. This has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with LaToya Brewington. We out. Peace.